0: Hello, church. It's good to see you this evening. Uh, Remember uh, that Sunday service will begin at 9.30 in the parking lot. Maybe it'll be a little bit cooler, and we'll get done a little bit earlier. Uh, Tonight, I wanted to look at fellowship, really an attitude of fellowship. And fellowship seems to be something that uh, might sound strange to talk about during this time, Uh, When we can't meet as often as we would like and when we can't really hug and shake hands and do those other things that we normally associate with fellowship. But I wanted to read about the early church's fellowship in one of my favorite passages in Acts chapter 2. It says in Acts chapter 2 verse 40, it tells us about the birth of the New Testament church at Jerusalem. It said, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, speaking of Peter and the message at Pentecost. And he's saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. There's the birth of the church. But what do they do now that 3,000 souls have been added? What do they do now that the kingdom of God had kicked off with the Holy Spirit's power? It tells us what they did beginning with verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as any one had need. So continuing daily with one accord, in the temple, in the breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight, for a time when we can look at your word Father, make your word come alive for us. Let it apply it to our hearts and our lives and our present situation. And Lord, grow us from your word. And Lord, as you do these things, we'll give you praise and glory for you alone are worthy. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I never forget that... Uh, a little over twenty years ago, we came in view of a call. We preached that Saturday night. It was actually it had been snowing, and then that next Sunday morning, we we preached again. And uh, the church uh, uh, held a potluck so that people could visit and get to know us. And and uh, afterwards, a question and answer time, different things of that. But what was really uh, amazing to me was this: uh, Matthew was about nine or ten at that time. And after the potluck, in front of as many people as could hear him, he said, Dad, we need to come here. They've got a lot of good cooks. And for years, Matthew's favorite thing at the church was potlucks. Almost without exception, every Sunday he would ask, are we going to eat today? Do we have a potluck today? And unfortunately, a lot of people think that's our fellowship. And we do have fellowship with potlucks But we need to understand that uh, that's not biblical fellowship by itself. Biblical fellowship includes a lot more, and we're going to look at that. But true fellowship, genuine fellowship, however you want to put it, is more than just an absence of conflict. You can have an absence of conflict and still not have fellowship. You can be cold and almost dead and not have conflict. So what does the Bible mean by uh, fellowship? I think there are uh, four or five things we can learn about fellowship from this passage of Scripture that we read earlier. The first one is this. We need to remember the fellowship of the Word. The fellowship of the Word. Verse 42 said... And they, speaking of all those who had been saved, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine the word that they received from Jesus the word that the Holy Spirit sealed in their hearts the word that they shared with others the word which would become written down by the power of the Holy Spirit for us through the apostles was shared with all those believers they had a fellowship of the word the word of God And that's where our fellowship needs to center on. That's where our fellowship needs to gain strength from. That's where our fellowship gets its meaning from. That's where our fellowship helps us the most is the fellowship of the Word of God that never changes, that is without error, uh, that helps us to grow, that equips us for life, that equips us to live the Christian life. It's the fellowship of the Word. Two or three things, I noticed their interest here. Uh, Do you have an interest in in the Word of God? Do I have an interest? They said they continued steadfastly. Uh, Steadfastly means they didn't leave the Word. Steadfastly means they didn't skip the Word. Steadfastly means sort of, uh, one commentator said it this way, He said, they were addicted to the Word of God. What a thing to be addicted to. Not alcohol or drugs or sex or TV shows or drama or or, uh, adrenaline or any other kind of thing that might harm us. But they were addicted to the very Word of God. They had an interest in the Word. And the interest wasn't just a passing thing. It meant that they were there. They were studying. They could be counted on. They were growing in the Word of God and as disciples of Jesus we should have that kind of fellowship in the word uh, we give a lot of opportunities for that whether it's through Sunday school or Wednesday nights or or during our our services or or for the kids and for the youth there are lots of opportunities special Bible studies with men and ladies that are for a fellowship of the Word. I want you you to understand that you have a true fellowship of the Word in your Sunday school classes because you can stop, you can ask questions, you can learn about each other and and where you're at in your different stages of spiritual growth and, and what you need to pray for for one another. There's something about gathering together around God's Word that grows us together as a church. Right now... We either have the outdoor service so far or, or uh, this online service. And uh, I was talking to Brother Ronnie, and we would have been in a terrible, terrible shape if it wasn't for Brother Galen. He knows how to do this. He, he searched out and researched how to do this. He makes it look professional, and we were able to carry on services because God equipped a young man who was willing to give even more of himself to do this. And he needs our heartfelt gratitude for that. Thank you, Brother Galen. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I hope you will express that gratitude from your heart. But you see, there was an interest and then there was an intimacy. You see, as they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the word of God, and said, and in fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. See, the intimacy flowed from the word of God. As you gather around the Word of God, as you pray together, as you eat together, as you observe the Lord's Supper together, as you fellowship together, there's an intimacy. And that's what our world is really hungry for, is to feel loved, to feel apart, to have friends, not just to be friendly, but to have people they can count on other than just family members, because a lot of us don't have family members close, not close by. And so the church becomes our extended family. You need to realize that our spiritual family will long outlast our physical family. Physical families have attrition through death, through sickness, through illness, through distance. But our spiritual family will last forever because we are brothers and sisters in Christ forever and will share heaven together. And so there was... uh, a true fellowship based on the Word of God because they were interested in it and because they had intimacy with it. We need to ask, do we do that? Do we take advantage of the opportunities to study together in Sunday school and in Wednesday nights and in uh, the youth and the children and in, in the different uh, special Bible studies we have that happen from time to time? And Are we interested in that? Do we take advantage of those opportunities? I hope because we've been absent for so long that when we finally get back together, we'll have a renewed commitment to share with one another the fellowship of the Word of God. Then they had a fellowship of the wealth. In verses 43 through 45, it says, Because of they were doing these things, because they were addicted to the Word, to fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. It says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Maybe God doesn't move as miraculously now, because we're not spending time in His Word, knowing Him. It says, Now all who believe were together. And had all things in common, and sold their possessions and good, and divided them among all as anyone had need. Now there needs to be a little bit of instruction about this. They'd received the apostles' doctrine. It says they were together. They continued together. It meant they weren't a wall. It meant that when the believers met, they were present. I don't need to tell us about that. That they were counted on. When it goes on, it says they had all things in common and sold their possessions. It didn't mean that the early Christians lived inside in, in some kind of a commune. It, it meant this. Once you became a Christian, you were kicked out of the synagogue. Once you became a Christian, you were no longer eligible for the Jewish temple distribution of food as a widow or, or as an orphan or, or, or those that needed help. Once you became a Christian, a lot of times in that Jewish community, you were excommunicated. You were uh, held at arm's length like anathema, death, disease. It meant you could lose your job. It meant something to take a stand for Christ. You could lose everything you had. Kicked out of your home, your husband could disown you, your wife could leave you, your children could turn their back on you. And so when it says they were together, they were together because all they had was Jesus and each other. When it says that they had all things in common, it doesn't mean communism. It doesn't mean some kind of social wealth redistribution. It meant that the Holy Spirit moved them, that the extra they had, they shared with one another so that the needs were met. That was God's economy. That was God's plan. Not the government doing but the church doing it. Christians doing it. And that was the instruction that they had from God's Word. Share, bear one another's burdens, help one another in any way possible, because they were Christian brothers and sisters, and you always care for your family. And then... I used a word that meant the illiberal, and that doesn't mean that you're some kind of liberal in your doctrine. It meant that you share what you have. So they continued daily. They broke bread house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Uh, they they sold their possessions and divided them among anybody who had need. We've touched on that. But you understand that when they saw a need and they had a resource, they met it. I commend our church for the giving. One of the greatest fears I had, and God set it to rest early, was... How are we going to make it if we're not meeting together? How are we going to make it if there's not enough for the uh, to pay the bills and tithes? And you've been more than liberal in your giving. You've been more than generous in your giving. God has provided in just miraculous ways at every step of this journey so far. And I'm convinced that He will continue through the good people of Gasville Baptist Church. Praise the Lord. You're to be commended it stretches out even to the community still uh trying to uh, to do the food room over there still trying uh, to help folks uh, um, i can't remember the exact number uh 7870 something mask have been given out and distributed, trying to help people. And it's in a lot of different states, health care providers, uh, people in general, nursing homes, just just on and on and on the list goes. And And for the ladies who had a part in that ministry, thank you, thank you, thank you. For those that have continued to mow our yard and take care of things. For the deacons who are calling their family uh, groups and checking on people. For those of you who are praying and, and continuing that prayer chain ministry. For those who, who come to the church and help clean a little bit extra. Just on and on the list goes. Uh, the deacons sharing your testimonies. Those that are singing so we'll have uh, music in the services. Just, just on and on it goes. Because people still need ministry. And you see, they had the fellowship of the wealth. And we need to remember that giving a tithe is something God commands. Sharing is something God expects. And God loves a cheerful giver. Don't be as I told you one time, giving the kids quarters every Sunday. I wasn't teaching them to tithe. When their grandpa gave them quarters to go home with, I knew I was in trouble when I saw two-year-old Rachel holding that quarter in her little grubby hand. Everybody else was asleep, and she kept staring at it and looking at it, and she finally did this. No, Jesus, it's mine. No, Jesus, it's mine. She didn't want to share. She didn't understand because I haven't taught her correctly. So we have the fellowship of the word. We have the fellowship of the wealth. We have the fellowship of worship. It says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple. That's the place they had to worship. And the church houses. And breaking bread from house to house. The breaking bread uh, might mean a a communal meal, but it also meant specifically observing the Lord's supper. They expected Jesus to come back any day, and he still could. They expected in their lifetime. I expected in my lifetime. I hope you're looking forward to that. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God. You see, they had a fellowship of of worship they adored Jesus they they came together and you could see the holy glow on their faces as they partook of the Lord's supper you could see them loving on one another meeting needs you could see them getting along together as they lifted up and sang their hymns and went to the temple to worship and ate their communal meal and and just gladness and simplicity of heart and they were praising God just adoration And they assembled, as I said, you know, uh, not the majority of folks. Some people complain that we have uh, worship service or we have different services three or four times a week. And yet they did it daily. Daily they did it. Every single day. Which tells me that we need to understand that when we assemble, it's great, but you need to be doing a daily worship even at home. Just with your family. Just with yourself in your own prayer closet. I found a little app that lets me read some scripture. But it always gives me a song that I probably don't know. A newer song. And it plays it. Before it starts meditating on the word and it gets me in the mood and it'll probably be a course. Some of you wouldn't like that because it goes over and over again and then it gives me a new thing and goes over and over but it helps me to worship by myself. And we need worship. We need the fellowship of worship. It's the reason the parking lot service has been good is because uh, I can see you worshiping together, even practicing social distancing. And, and I've got to do something to get a little bit closer. I'm going to have to move down closer so I can get closer to y'all. I, I miss that that time of worship where I see you and interact and and. And get to be together. And, and I can't wait for the day when it's safe for us to shake hands and give hugs again. Uh, uh, Miss Joyce uh, gave me an air hug this week. And I thought, well, that's cute. Uh, I hadn't thought about that. So so air hug, church. Uh, that that was good to me. Uh, but but are, are you praying about our worship? Or are you praying that when we come together, we'll no longer take it for granted? It'll no longer be... <sighs> Worship again. But we'll remember what it was like when we could not be together. That it'll be exciting. That we look God to moving among us. God speaking to us through songs and readings and and through the scriptures and and through the testimony times that I hope we will have. And yes, I, I am looking forward to having that. Fellowship of the Word and the fellowship of the wealth and the fellowship of the worship and then the fellowship of our witness. You see, it's in verse. 43, then fear came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. And it goes on to say, okay, in the very last verse, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, every day, those who were being saved. The fellowship of our witness, there was the action. You see, the action was fear came upon every soul. The Holy Spirit moved and we could, they could feel Him moving and, and they saw the evidence of, of the actions of people that truly loved one another and enjoyed one another. And it was a witness to the outside world because as fear came upon the church, it said they had favor with all the people. The people outside the church. It's not like in America today where Christians have a bad name. Where churches are looked down upon. You see, they were assisting one another. Says the Lord added to the church daily those being saved. He was assisting the church. You see, I hear some things that disturb me. And I'm going to scold the older generation. My generation, just a little bit younger and, and older than I am. They have this... False idea that something's wrong with our young people, our young adults. They just won't commit to anything, Brother Gary. That's not true. You see, our young people will commit to the church if they see the church acting like the church they see in Scripture. Young people will, and young adults will commit to the church and the Jesus of the church if they see us living out Christianity as they see it in Scripture. You see, when they see the church that has the cause of Christ reaching communities, impacting communities, making a difference in lives, they'll commit to that. It's something worth their time. When the church goes through the motions, when there's some hypocrisy, when there's some sin there in the church, it's no different than the world, they don't want to be a part of that. If you don't believe me, talk to some young adults. If you don't believe me, talk to Brother Galen and some of the folks his age. They'll tell you the truth. They'll be a lot more gentle than I am, but they'll tell you. You See, we need to understand. I believe this next generation has had it worse spiritually than we had it, and we'll have it worse in the future. And those that commit to Christ are going to be uber committed, super committed. If they find churches that are on fire for Jesus Christ making a difference in people's lives. You see, the Word of God and the church of God is supposed to make a difference in my life and your life. Are we making sure it does that with our witness? Are we telling folks about Jesus we sing a song. It's sort of our tradition here after we observe the Lord's Supper, because all through the Scripture it says they were observing the Lord's Supper. The breaking of bread can mean a regular meal, but it specifically means uh, sharing the Lord's Supper. And we sing, "Blessed be the tie that binds." Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. Sorry, I butchered that. You see, that's blessed be the tie that binds. Most of us don't know the story behind that song. It was written way back in 1765 by a fellow named John Fawcett. He was a Baptist pastor. He served in a small rural church for about seven years. He and his wife didn't have two pence, because he served in England, to rub together. Just very, very poor church, very poor. Uh, he got paid in the summertime in vegetables and a chicken or, or somebody butchered some meat, some meat, and just very little else. They had a hard time making it. He especially had hard time feeding his family. A larger church called. It was going to make it a lot easier on him. And they were packing up to leave. And the church folks would come by and drop by some goodies or drop by some groceries for the trip. And, and without fail they would cry and sob and hug the family how they're going to miss them and how much you've meant to them and others would come by and help him uh, pack the wagon and and all that kind of stuff until finally his wife couldn't take it anymore said John John we just can't leave these folks like this it's too heart-wrenching he went back and prayed and decided God told him to go ahead and stay and so he stayed and out of that experience he wrote Blessed be the tie that binds. And he was there several more years. Well, I hope that we're going to be here several more years unless Jesus comes back. And that's going to change how the future looks for our church. And we need to understand that. It means we can't just do things the same old way. It means that With one generation getting older and ready to pass from the scene, and I count myself in that generation, if Jesus tarries, we need another generation of strong people, strong Christians in the church to carry on the work of Christ. So if it means uh, having TVs at the front to project announcements and uh, songs and things, that's what we need to do. If it means continuing some kind of video presence online, I don't know, then that's what we've got to do. I've got to learn to do that. Brother Galen cannot solely be responsible for it. It's my responsibility to learn how to do that, and I am determined to figure out how to do that. But it's just those are just some of the things. I'm not saying we're just going to change everything, but we've got to change to meet the times So that God will favor us and add daily to the church those being saved. So we'll have favor with God and with our community. So that we'll have a vision of who we're supposed to be in our community. And what our church is supposed to look like. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with our church. I'm not saying that there's not a good fellowship, a good spirit here. But what I said at the first was... What I meant, a lack or an absence of conflict does not mean we're having true biblical fellowship. True biblical fellowship means a fellowship of the word, a fellowship of the wealth, a fellowship of worship, and a fellowship of our witness. And a potluck here and there scattered in. Church, have a good evening tonight. And we'll look forward to seeing you the next time. Goodbye.